in the dream factory and ends in madness. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more with your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. Hey, I'm Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 319. Sincerely hope all's well with you and yours. Thank you so much for choosing to spend some time with us this afternoon, this evening, this morning, wherever you're listening to us. This time around, you're hanging out with the wonderful Allie Larder, an actor that continues to give us incredible characters and the unforgettable performances that are at the very heart of some of the coolest films and franchises ever made. From Resident Evil, Final Destination, House on Haunted Hill, to Creepshow, we revisit it all. Her brand new survival thriller, The Last Victim, that's in theaters in VOD May 13th at time of release. Starring alongside of her, the great Ron Perlman and Ralph Ineson from The Witch, The Green Knight, and more. She tells a fascinating story of a film 20 years in the making. The challenges, the unique voice and perspective of the film, her chemistry with the other actors, what she loved about the director, the music. The Boo Crew Podcast, episode 319 with Allie Lauder is now slang. Where the hell's all the bodies? There ain't none. But where'd this come from? Don't ever toss me a finger again. Can't make any promises. Things got complicated with Manny. Jenkins! Are you sure you got no idea what happened? No, sir. I guess he's got nine other fingers. When this is all over, we have no truck, no bodies, no conviction. That's how our wonderful system works. I guarantee it. Waldo, come on, boy. Run. Run! Someone else was here. She see anything? Yep. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. All right, so joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy studio is an absolutely phenomenal actor who's continued inspired choices and talent at building unforgettable characters, crafts, an ongoing legacy of work made up of some of the most influential film and TV projects ever made, and certainly ones that have made an indelible impact. Her early work includes David E. Kelly's seven-time Emmy-winning Chicago Hope. She was part of the team that changed teen dramas forever on Dawson's Creek. On the big screen, there were the beloved classics like Varsity Blues, Legally Blonde, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and many, many more. She was ahead of the curve on the way superhero stories were told on NBC's Smash Heroes, imbuing Nikki Sanders in her split personality with a conviction and sympathy that was a big part of the show's gravitational pull and helped it earn an Emmy. She created the deeply compelling Clear Rivers in the monumental Final Destination universe, portraying a character arc weighted with a guarded strength steeped in emotional trauma that evolves into the second film into something even darker and stronger, which was recognized with Young Hollywood's Breakthrough Performance Award. She dove heartfirst into the most successful video game film franchise of all time, giving us the fan favorite Claire Redfield in the Resident Evil movies, and most recently, ABC Emmy-nominated The Rookie and an inspired and fun entry into Shudder's hugely popular Creepshow series. Her brand new project is an intense and shocking survival thriller called The Last Victim. It's in theaters in VOD May 13th. We are honored to welcome the one and only Allie Larder. Yeah! Yeah! Wow! I mean, can I steal that bio? Can I take that? 
Thank you. It's you all yours. It's all yours. You're making me up inside. You're making my day. Well, I'm not making scrambled eggs for the kids anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to yeah. speak with us. We are massive fans. Yes. And I mean, this film has everything. Incredible yeah. twists, unforgettable bookend sequences, terrifying yeah. performances. Congratulations on The Last Victim and another incredible journey. And before we get into it, when it comes to horror and thrillers, you've been in the very best of the best. And we would love to know, what is your very first memory of experiencing a horror film as a viewer? Oh, my gosh. Um, it could have been like Witness. OK, maybe Witness. And like my parents are watching it. And I think I like walked through and I was watching. A little, I remember being like terrified by that. Um, and then as a child, Gremlins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Gremlins was really scary to me. Um, so so probably those two were like the, the first ones. And then, you know, I am a scaredy cat. So for me, it's like, don't ask me to watch the Friday the 13th, the Halloween's like I can't watch that stuff. Even now to this day, like I am just it's like palpable for me to even think about it. It gets under my skin and then I don't sleep at night and I get really, really scared. Wow, that's <laughs> wild. So so you haven't really you don't go and seek these kind of movies out to watch on your own usually. No, and I think it's actually why I've been hired in them my entire life because it's <laughs> real. I'm like really scared. <laughs> so, you know? one thing to note, I, I I cannot be the first person to have pointed this out, but for Eagle Eye fans, the release date of the last victim. May 13th is coincidentally the same day of the departure of Flight 180, of which you were the last victim. Oh, my God. That's so crazy. I was thinking it was Friday the 13th. No. And that's where you are going. Wow. You are an evil eye. So is this a a Final Destination spinoff? Everything's possible. (laughs) So this film has a very interesting backstory going back quite a long time, as I understand. So what can you tell us about a little bit about about its path and its director, Naveen Chattapuram. So Naveen is, he is such an incredible storyteller. He is someone who dreamed of being a filmmaker for a very long time. He chewed on this and thought about this script, I think for almost 20 years and how he could make it, he could bring it to life. And, you know, this is his first movie and a true passion project for him. So like for me, when the, when the script was sent to me, I connected with it on a bunch of levels that I loved that it was a survival thriller. I love the neo-Western, you know, kind of noir aspect of it. Um, and for me, I always love when you take a woman um, and, and you, t- you turn it on its side and you find out the real core of her. So you take someone who's coming from a very controlled environment and then you put her in a place where she loses all control and you see what she will do. And that's what kind of excited me about this. Um, but he, you know, this was something he wanted so bad and he was, emailing, calling. He believed in me. He wanted me to do this. And by his will alone, he was able to make this movie. And um, I'm so glad that he wanted me to be part of it. Uh, And this film, as you said, has that great suspense survivor thriller elements that we love in films like Eden Lake and River Wild and Deliverance and things like that. But it puts a really original spin on it. What Mm -hmm. did you find was compelling about the uniqueness and depth of the voice of the film? Yeah, well, I mean, Ralph Innocent and his purr is just beyond, you know, he's got one of the best voices in the business um, and his unfolding of the story and people in isolation and how they start to believe the world that they are, that they're living in um, without having to deal with the rest of the world. So I think that that was interesting to explore that. And then also, you know, really, I think the heart of it is like what in, you know, questioning your own morality Mm. to see what you will do in order to survive. 
that is like the heart of this movie to me. And, you know, you take this woman who, you know, is a professor in New York and on antidepressants and taking Klonopin and, you know, just so type A and can't kind of handle life. It's just holding it so tightly. And then, you know, she goes on this journey with her husband and she ends up, you know, with this band of criminals attacking her and she's like being hunted in the wild. And then you watch her change. You watch the shift happen in her when she sees them take her husband and disrespect him the way they do. You see this part of her come out, this like carnal side. And she starts to really see, you know, who she can be. And whether it's moral or not, it doesn't really matter because she's going to survive and she's going to avenge her husband. So then it becomes. And yeah, you're right. The whole tone is kind of set with Ralph's opening monologue when he says, uh, you know, it's the choices you make and how you respond to the choices made by others, which is a really, really stunning way to set it up. What did you feel like when you first saw the opening scene of the film completed? It's shocking. I love the opening of the film, you know, because I also love, you know, you go into hog heaven and you're watching these, you know, incredible character actors, but it's moody and it's kind of slow and it draws you in, you know, before you kind of set off on this action paced movie. And I think that that's something that Naveen did really well. And I think the movie is shot beautifully. It's so rich and deep in color um, and where it's shot also like the landscape and everything's so beautiful um, that I think that also takes you along. But I love the beginning of the movie and you've got to stick with it. Like you've got to allow it to kind of walk you in. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say are some of the benchmarks of Naveen's storytelling style that ignited you on on set? Um, he really wants to know how you're feeling. He wants to talk to you before a scene. He wants to kind of drop in about where the character is coming from. And then, you know, for me, what I kind of explain to him, I always work with what's around me, the world that I'm in. And I loved being able to use, you know, where we were shooting outside when it was freezing cold. And then I was stuck in the cave all night and it's five in the morning. All that helps me. So I don't really want to talk. Right. I'm like, I got this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I kind of stay in the rawness of it all. It's it's just easier for me than to kind of go back and get warm and then kind of talk about it again. It's easier for me to kind of live within that world, um, especially with something like this where so many of the scenes, um, she's just so raw and so broken down and stripped of, you know, warmth, food. Um, you know, she's a survivor on her own at this point. So it was easier for me to kind of work on it, but he was patient and he, you know, he worked, he loved working with the writers and also the set designers and hair and makeup. He loved being involved in the process. And he's someone who truly loves filmmaking. So the story takes place in New Mexico. Where did you guys actually film and what were the challenges in shooting at that location? Great question. So we shot in Kelowna, Canada, which was, you know, it's so beautiful up there. It's actually, it's a desert, but, you know, deserts get freezing at night. So when we started shooting, it was green. And by the time, you know, we finished shooting, there was like snow on the ground. So laying on frozen ground, it's 13 below. And I'm like, that was real, guys. That was real. Um, I really felt that way. Um, but I thought that where they were able to shoot was was just an incredible location, you know, and I had never been there before. And I think all the backdrops and everything really worked and looked like New Mexico. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I thought that was incredible. And, and I like using the elements because, you know, when I think about the Resident Evils, I've shot 115 degrees in Mexico. I've shot on a soundstage, which I don't like because then you're trying to conjure up all these feelings where it's much easier when you're dealing with the real elements. And you've got some amazing 
tension plays with Ralph Ineson, who's obviously become one of our favorite actors. And yes. he is quite a breathtaking presence and is terrifying in this film. Probably more scary than we've ever seen him. Uh, what was he like as a as a dance partner, so to speak? How did the two of you construct your scenes generally? Well, you know, we got along incredibly well and we loved working together because we would actually just kind of work on the scenes before and remember, you know, I mean, that's the whole thing. What are you trying to tell at this moment in the movie? And so he's he's a craftsman, you know, and is able to kind of really pick things apart and get to the root of it. And that's what I think we did. We would take certain scenes and just really get to the heartbeat of what we were looking to tell. Um, and I just I loved working with him. And I think he's going to be a director at some point, too. Um, he, he's really a really talented guy. Mm. And the music of uh, Annie Trezza colors yeah. Susan's world. Were you familiar with her work before? And, and what did not, you like about it? What I, do you think it elevated? I wasn't, and I was really impressed because I thought the music of this was incredibly high level and beautifully done. And it brings that tension and it brings the mind and it brings all these feelings. You know, it helps you kind of realize what she's going through in moments. So, yeah, I think that oh, that's the thing with Naveen. I think he brought together all these different elements from like a really interesting like character cast to the music to where we shot to how we, you know, the DP, how we told the story and, and visually showed it, that it all really came together in a great way. The Boo Crew will be right back. This is the voice of a woman dreaming of her lover. Oh, please, darling, let me close. I love you so much. And this, a woman having a nightmare. What are dreams? What do they mean? When you dream, you wander into another world where everything is strange and terrifying. When you dream, you too become a Nightwalker. The Nightwalker brings Robert Taylor and Barbara Stanwyck together again in the film Shocker of the Year. Yes, I do have a lover. Tell me his name! I wish to God I could, but he's only a dream. And now, a warning from producer William Castle. Our new picture, The Nightwalker, may force you to dream of things you're ashamed to admit. If you can't stand your own dreams, don't see The Nightwalker. The Nightwalker. What do you think was powerful about the decision to highlight like the population in each city as we kind of go and, and really kind of explore? I, I don't know. Does it show some of the reasonings of, of the inner workings of the world of each of these characters and their perspective to what's going on in the story? What do you think that that elevated? I think a huge theme for Naveen was isolation. And, you know, especially, you know, the people have gone to live in these smaller areas. And when you just keep hearing the same thing chirped over and over again in your ear, then that's what you start to think. You know, instead of your mind being open and having to deal with people that are different than you. And so I think that that is part of the story in this is that the isolation does play a huge factor in it. Um, and then for her to kind of leave this big city where she was isolated within a city, too. You know, she was isolated in her own world and that it took going through this to kind of break her open um, to be kind of kind of become a fully realized person. Yeah, that's an, another really interesting aspect of how this story is told is it really dives into the dichotomy between the antagonists and the protagonists and shows that they each kind of carry their own anxieties as well that we can all right. identify with. They're kind of products of their reality. 
No, absolutely. Absolutely. And when me and Ralph had to shoot the hallucination scene, (laughs) it was like he was like wearing horns covered in mud. I was in a white slip dress as actresses do during, you know, intense horror moments. But working with him, you know, we were just so in it together and helping each other, helping each other through those moments, because it feels so unbelievable because so much is going to be added in later that you have to just go on that journey. And, you know, having him in that scene was incredibly helpful because we were just able to kind of hold each other up and and get what we needed. Mm -hmm. And Leo, dive in with your question here, man. Yeah, you had a great scene with Dakota Dalby who plays uh, Tad in the third act, which is a very, very tense scene. Were there alternate takes on that scene where it changes the actual ending of the film? There wasn't changes on the ending, but we definitely did that scene in uh, so many different ways. And I think that the biggest thing, you know, we were both trying to get two different things across. But no, I mean, it's really I I thought that he was just incredible in that moment. And um, I thought it was interesting the way that the story kind of unfolded. This film has the cutest dog I've ever seen. Also, oh my gosh, I would have just played with the dog the whole time. How, like, how did they train them so well to do exactly? Well, what it was actually to- a lot more scenes, and he got cut out because he wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't able. He was messing up. You know, when you're shooting an indie film in like 25 days or whatever we had. You're not waiting on the dog. We like want those yeah. to that time for our like emotional scene. <laughs> right. And so like we were we lost a lot of time the first couple of days with Waldo. And so Waldo's a little bit less in the film. It's oh. real good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as as we look to uh, the future and, and embrace the past here, we'd love to take a couple of minutes just to reflect on some of the fantastic projects that you've been a part of that are quite literally responsible for transforming the genre as we work our way up to the last victim. And just wanted to get your thoughts on, uh, I mean, starting with uh, William Malone's incredibly fun retelling of, of House on Haunted Hill, which hey. is getting a big resurgence right now people are rediscovering it Uh, what do you remember most about working with William and being part of that film um gosh I loved being part of that film I loved working with Tay and with Fomka and Chris Kattan yeah it was an incredible cast and you know it's funny about that because you know I remember you know in that we had a lot of moments where like the extras were like attacking me and you know when you're in, when you're doing scenes in certain movies, you want to be able to get raw and get to the point where it's so believable, but you need to be in a safe environment. You know, and I remember like the extras came through and were like clawing at me and scratching me. And I had to like scream and get lifted out from the first AD because it shifted from being like this crazy moment in a scene to it actually being dangerous. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, yes, you want it to be real and palpable, but I'm, I'm, I'm an actress. You know, you don't need to like scratch me open to make me, you know, show the emotion of it. So, I was just thinking about that as we were doing this. And then, you know, with the, the scene that I have and you see this carnalness come out in Susan and, and, and really find this warrior with inside herself and it was raw and we were wrestling and it was intense, but it was a safe environment, you know, with professional actors. And so that's, I think, you know, the difference, you know, for me thinking about that, it's, it's great when you are in an environment where you can allow yourself to be that raw and know that you're also safe. Sure. Very, very well said. And final destination, obviously one of the things that people remember the most about those films is that powerful character arc you cast on us with clear rivers. And what did the homework look like to rise to that challenge of building someone that felt so authentic amidst these very intense set pieces? Yeah. Well, they were very intense, but I thought that was interesting about her. It's also just 
that that whole story, that what if story, that chain of events, you know, if like one thing will then have trigger the next thing that will happen. And it's it's almost like I still think about that. It, it's just it really it was the first time they took the horror genre and there was nothing to look at. You know, you know, you couldn't find it because it was the idea yeah. that, you know, it was in our minds and the triggering of effects, you know, so there was just, there wasn't just like one monster coming after you. And so I thought that was really interesting. And I loved playing her. You know, I also, you know, she was a quieter, more um, intense interior character um and it was you know it's just even god i remember like just shooting that first scene where um she gets hit by the bus and like the shockingness of that and the suddenness of those kills was just you know it was incredible and and really you know I wouldn't say fun to watch, but but jaw dropping. Yeah, oh, there's way. nothing else like it. And uh, as it pertains to the last victim, I mean, you gave us three uh, wonderful Resident Evil movies and embarked on an adventure of stunt and weapon training. And you, Paul and Mila, oh. became an unstoppable family that kind of decimated all the stereotypes that became associated <laughs> with action films. What are some of the things that your journey to Claire fundamentally changed in you in terms of the person and performer you were after being a part of it for so long do you have a new like spatial awareness even when it comes to your body on camera and your movements and things like that that maybe even I bled just, into the last victim like i mean that's where i ended up growing up really yeah. was under the banner of those movies when it pertains to like stunts and action films and you know the the things of like most of the time you're shooting nights or you are shooting in extreme environments um which helps make it more real but there's like intensity that comes with that there is the need of preparation that comes with those movies where you really spend spend the time with like the stunt coordinators and working through that and learning about the choreography and it's really a dance that's going on um one of my favorite things i've ever done was my sequence with the axe man in the water where i have to slide under on the skateboard and flip over and like that was just amazing um and so fun to be able to do so it's like one part of it is you know having the intensity of these movies and telling the story and the other part is like it's really fun you know to get to learn those stunts and to be able to you know end up playing a role that normally you see men in and to be you know one of these women you know and look at mila in this billion dollar franchise you know that people love you know and it resonates with them and they've always loved the character claire redfield so I, you know, it was incredible. And I think I learned a lot doing those movies. Um, it also, like, they took me all over the world and introduced me really deeply. Also, I mean, I already was going to Comic-Con and all that, but people, you know, from like the Final Destination crew to like, you know, Resident Evil and Heroes, like they just really, it allows people, these movies allow people to be transported into another world and kind of go into your head and, and really question, you know, what is next? What happens, you know, in, in a post-apocalyptic world? And so I think it's really fun to be part of things that um, people enjoy watching. Mm. And then finally, you ended up being, being a, one of our good friend Axel Carolyn's project, her, her episode of Creep Show, Dead and yeah. Breakfast with C. Thomas Howell. It was so yes. fun. Yeah. What yeah. was that yeah. like to shoot? I mean, it looked like a blast to do an anthem. It was, it was a blessing. I loved the look of it. You know, yeah. it kind of looked like um, the conjuring, you know, with that with that very saturated yellow, you know, kind of 70s coloring to it, you know, which I love that. I love that feeling and that look to it. Um, and it was just fun to play that character. And again, I end up with like blood on my hands. I mean, <laughs> what is that about me? I'm just like, <laughs> you know, I never play the sweetheart, the wife, the nurse. I never play the <laughs> I'm always doing something dangerous. So what's up next for you now? Any more new horror projects on the way, perhaps? Or what's coming up? No new horror ones. I'm actually, I just got VIP for this extraordinary book about the mother of a Navy SEAL. So I'm wow. deeply embedding myself in that world. And it is 
it's extraordinary. So that's what I'm spending a lot of my time on. And I'm so excited about that. And then I'm launching my own wine called Forever Gold. No so, way! You know, that's Beyond the so lookout, nice. it comes out in September. Um, it's a small lot Bordeaux blend and a Chardonnay because you know I love to cook and I love to drink wine. So that's you know what I'm up to and raising my baby. Yeah, well, yeah. And to anyone that's who doesn't awesome. know, I mean, Allie wrote a best-selling cookbook back in 2013, Kitchen Revelry. So is there is there a follow-up being planned for that as well? Do you think is that maybe. something you want to do? You know what? Maybe it's like for me, I want to have stories to tell. You know, and like, what's the next book that I can do? What what can I do better than what I already did? And my first cookbook is so beautiful and so lush, and it's how I was really entertaining just like one child. Now I have two kids who are like seven, eleven. So I think the next thing would be like you know, kind of like revelrous you know, family dinners or something yeah. like that. You can kind of bring in where I am at this stage of my life. Um, but there's no question that so much of it when I'm not filming or I'm not working is about like being in the kitchen, making food, having friends over, drinking too much wine. Um, and so it's something that, you know, I love to do is to entertain and to feed people delicious things. Mm, I love it. I love it. Anything oh, else? Before? Wonderful. Uh, I was just going to say, so we have a 13 year old and her and I just watched Legally Blonde for the first time. And a lot of the time I'll show her movies that I loved when I was younger and she'll be like, eh, that wasn't that good. But she loved Legally Blonde. What do you think it is about that film that it still stands up? It's, 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 it's extraordinary. And I'm so proud to be in a movie that has stood the test of time in that way. And that again, has made people so happy. The amount of girls that have gone to law school because they saw that yes. movie, it's like, it's like a laundry list. Okay. And, um, you know, I've gone on, I've done a lot of like, we did, it's been 20 years, which is wild too. Um, since I played Brooke and the whole butt buster workout. And then you see Selma Blair and you see all these incredible people that were part of that movie. But I think in the heart, the story was like, you know, you should, be who you are. You should be proud of yourself. And, you know, people kind of assume that she was some dumb blonde and you should never box someone and make those assumptions and that she ends up digging deep and finding um, confidence in who she is. Um, and you kind of watch that story, uh, you know, um, unfold in this kind of bubble gum pink world. And for somehow it's just it's it's palatable, but it's not cheesy. You know, it's like it's like that line where it's like it's so fun to watch, but it's also done so well. And and really just, you know, it, it generations are still watching that movie. So incredible. I'm glad that you and your daughter enjoyed it. Yes. Well, yeah. And the same thing could be said about all your work, because it is that depth that uh, that brings everyone into everything you're a part of. And, and that said, uh, thank you so much for your time, for everything you do. Congrats on The Last Victim. And it's always such an awesome time to experience your work. Thank you so much. You are so, so sweet. Again, I'm going to read this to my husband and my kids. So they are nice. Remind them who their mother is. That's right. And that was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 319. Special thanks to our guest, Allie Larder. Follow her at Allie Larder on Instagram. At time of release, her new film, The Last Victim, is in theaters and VOD May 13th. Production tracks for this episode provided by our friends, the incredible Power Man 5000. Till next time, it is the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand. Chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. 
The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. The Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full-cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy, for disturbing and terrifying creepypastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out, and we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.